The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of The Blue Light contains depictions of violence, mutilation, trauma, and abuse. Please exercise caution for children under 13. Gerwin hunkered into a muddy trench, clutching his sword. His ears rang from the deafening cannon fire. In the trench beside him were his fellow soldiers, some injured, others dead. While Gerwin tried to gather his wits, an army officer in a brightly colored uniform began yelling at them. Back at it, men! King Magnus demands it! One soldier started weeping like a child and tore out of the trench toward home. The officer chased after him and stabbed him in the back. When the officer returned to the trench, he grabbed Gerwin by his muddy uniform. Get out there and fight, or else you'll end up just like him. Gerwin looked around at the scared faces of the other men. He swallowed the lump in his throat and charged up the side of the trench into the battlefield. After three steps, however, a cannonball exploded next to him. He was sent hurtling through the air. Dirt and fragments of iron cut through his body. Gerwin screamed in pain, but he couldn't hear his own voice or anything else for that matter. The whole world was muffled. Suddenly, the brightly uniformed soldier was in his face. Gerwin could barely hear him. If you're alive, get up and fight, his muffled voice seemed to say. Gerwin would have if he could have moved, but then he started to lose consciousness. He said a final prayer, readied himself to die, and everything went black. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're illuminating the blue light. This Brothers Grimm classic tells the story of a war veteran and a magical light that grants wishes. Coming up, a soldier makes a deal with a witch. The Blue Light is a lesser-known German fairy tale from the Brothers Grimm. It first appeared in the second volume of their Children's and Household Tales, which was published in 1815. It tells the story of a disabled veteran who finds a magic lamp that makes all of his wishes come true. Sound familiar? That's because the Grimm Brothers' tale took cues from the granddaddy of wishful stories, Aladdin and his magic lamp. After the Grimm's published their version, it went on to inspire other stories, such as Hans Christian Andersen's The Tinderbox. Still, while the blue light is part of an old tradition of mythical beings granting wishes, its choice of protagonist was quite new. Instead of rich men or kings, the blue light gave its power to a wounded veteran. At first, he uses his wishes for basic necessities, food, clothes, a warm fire. But then he makes a dark turn and uses it to seek revenge. Gerwin limped over to one of the king's clerks, who was stationed outside the castle. It had been six months since Gerwin was injured. Even though the scars on his face, neck, and torso were healing, he still had trouble walking without a crutch. 
the humorless clerk flipped through some papers without even glancing at Gerwin. You are hereby discharged from the king's army for failure to complete your service. Gerwin gestured to his crutch and scarred face. I was wounded. The man shrugged, which is why you are being discharged. He opened a drawer, pulled out a single copper coin, and slid it across the table to Gerwin. Gerwin picked up the coin. This will barely buy a cup of stew. The clerk's face twisted sardonically. Oh, pardon me. Well, on behalf of King Magnus himself, thank you for your service to the kingdom. Now leave. Gerwin trudged away from the castle. After nearly dying for the king and his silly war, he was now homeless and hungry. He found a nearby tavern and sat down at a table. After a moment, a server approached. Gerwin placed the copper coin on the wooden surface. What can I get for this? He asked. The woman looked him up and down and crossed her arms across her chest. We don't serve deserters. Gerwin shook his head. I didn't desert. I was wounded. But it was no use. The woman pointed to the door. Gerwin winced as he limped out of the tavern into the city. The autumn wind was picking up, and he sensed snow in the air. He pulled his threadbare coat tightly around his neck, but it didn't block the wind. Even worse, the breeze seemed to seek out his fleshy scars and attack them with extra cruelty. He knew he needed to find a place to stay for the night, or he might freeze. He tried several other taverns, but nobody would take him. If he couldn't find shelter inside the city, he decided he might have better luck in the countryside. Perhaps a family would let him sleep in a barn in exchange for some menial labor. Even though he limped, he could still tend to animals. Gerwin trekked for hours outside of the city. He inquired at homes and farms, but he couldn't find anyone who would help him. Soon, the sun was starting to set, and the wind was picking up. He started to shiver. Thankfully, up ahead, he noticed a cottage. It was unlike any that Gerwin had ever seen. The roof had so many gables, pitches, and tiny windows, Gerwin could barely count them. It looked like a spider with its multitudinous eyes peering out at the road. That's when Gerwin realized he had heard about this house. It belonged to Tikla, a local witch. When Gerwin was younger, children used to tell stories about her. Supposedly, she was a powerful sorceress who liked to trick travelers. Everyone said to avoid her at all costs. But Gerwin weighed his options. He could freeze to death outside or ask Tikla for shelter. After braving cannon fire and mounted cavalry on the battlefield, an old witch seemed like the least of his worries. So he limped past the moss-covered fence and knocked on the door. A tall, thin woman with matted gray hair answered. She reminded Gerwin of a birch tree after the leaves had fallen. What do you want? She snarled. Gerwin bowed his head in deference. Please, ma'am, I need a place to stay for the night. I'll happily do chores in exchange for a dry bed. The old woman scowled at him and slammed the door in his face. Please, Gerwin called out, hoping she would hear him inside. 
I have no family and nowhere to go. I'm going to freeze. At that, the old woman swung the door open. No family, you say? Poor thing, come inside. Perhaps I have a task for you tomorrow. The next morning, Tikla led Gerwin into the cottage's small yard and pointed to a stone well. I dropped my lantern down there, she said. It is quite precious to me. It has no need for oil or fuel, and instead of a yellow flame, it glows blue. Gerwin peered down the shaft. The well must have been at least a hundred feet deep, but sure enough, at the bottom, he saw it, a faint blue glow. Everything in Gerwin told him this was a trick. He had heard the rumors about travelers disappearing after visiting Tikla, but if she was going to kill him, why didn't she do it the night before? Plus, she was the only person to help him in his time of need. Gerwin shrugged. All right, I'll get it for you. After a moment, Tikla began lowering him into the well in a giant bucket. On the way down, the air grew cold and dank. It smelled of moss and decay. Years ago, this would have scared Gerwin, but after fighting in the war, it didn't bother him. When he reached the bottom, he scooped up the witch's light. On the surface, it looked like any other lantern a glass globe secured with a copper frame, but it held a mysterious blue flame that didn't waver when he moved the lamp. Gerwin cupped his hands around his mouth and yelled up to Tikla, Got it! A moment later, he felt the bucket start to rise. Soon, his head crested the top of the well. The witch held the rope tautly in one hand and reached out with her other. Hand me the lantern! she said. Gerwin realized this was the trick he had suspected all along. He knew as soon as he handed over the light, she would drop him back down the well. He tucked the lamp into his tattered coat. I'll only give it to you when I have two feet planted safely on the ground. Tikla's face contorted with rage. You think you're clever? No one can know about the blue light. I'll just find another vagrant once you're dead. At that, she let go of the rope. Gerwin's stomach went light. His body started to freefall. He plummeted down the dark shaft and crashed into the bottom with a sickening crunch. Gerwin thought for sure that was the end. But when he came to, he realized the bucket and mossy ground had cushioned his fall. His head pounded, and when he touched it, his fingers were covered in warm, sticky blood. But he was alive. Slowly, Gerwin struggled to his feet. He ran his fingers along the walls. The stones had been worn smooth from years of water, so there were no handholds. Gerwin sighed. After surviving a war, he thought, this is how I die, at the bottom of a pit. He pulled a pipe from his coat and packed it with tobacco. Might as well enjoy one last smoke. But as he dug through his pockets, he realized he was out of matches. Gerwin let out a heavy sigh. That figured. 
Then he remembered the lantern. He pulled the copper hood off of the contraption. He tilted the lamp to the side and set his pipe against the blue flame. He pulled in a deep breath and released a cloud of smoke, which began to swirl around the bottom of the well. Gerwin suddenly felt like he was back in the trenches. He heard cannons explode nearby. In the distance was the clash of steel swords and men screaming. Gerwin clenched his eyes shut. Just another nightmare, he thought. After a time, he opened his eyes and was back in the well. But now, he wasn't alone. Even in the darkness, he could see something moving. The shadow from the blue light coalesced into the shape of a man. Gerwin rubbed his eyes, convinced this was another hallucination. But the shadow cleared his throat and bowed. Hello, Gerwin. My name is Shotten. I will grant you what you wish. Gerwin shook his head. This couldn't be happening to him. Maybe he bumped his head too hard and was dreaming. But when he pinched himself, he knew he was awake. He swallowed hard and then spoke to the shadow. What can I wish for? He asked. Shodden shrugged. Whatever you desire, riches, freedom, love. The shadow paused and then added with emphasis, even death. Coming up, a discarded soldier strikes back. The CIA. They're the first line of defense for the United States, analyzing intelligence to thwart any possible threats and keep us safe. Some of their involvements are made public, and others aren't. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast, and in honor of America's birthday, we're uncovering the cases you were never supposed to know about in the new series, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. From international assassination plots and mind control experiments to catastrophic cover-ups and secret societies fit for film, sift through the agency's most questioned and controversial affairs. Each week, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition exposes the covert operations intended to protect us from conflicts, but end up creating conspiracies. Where does the truth lie? Where do the lies end? And how much do we really want to know? Follow the new Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Gerwin was stuck at the bottom of Tikla the Witch's well. He assumed he'd die there. But after lighting his pipe, he inadvertently summoned a mysterious, shadowy figure named Shotten. Even more surprising, Shotten offered to grant him wishes. Gerwin looked skeptically at the shadow. If what you say is true, then naturally, my first wish would be to get out of this well. Shotten nodded. He placed his shadowy hand against the stone wall, and moments later it crumbled away, revealing a tunnel. Gerwin tucked the copper lantern into his coat and stepped into the passageway. It seemed to slope upwards toward the surface. 
After a few minutes, Gerwin emerged near the dirt road in front of Tikla's cottage. At first, Gerwin wanted to flee the area as quickly as possible, but then he realized something. The witch will do the same thing to the next soldier or passerby. We need to do something. Shodden leaned in closer. Do you wish for her to be dealt with? Gerwin's palms began to sweat. On the battlefield, he had taken many lives, but he had never been the one to give the orders. Now he felt a tremendous weight on his shoulders. He thought for a moment. Then he nodded solemnly. Yes, she should be dealt with. Moments later, Shotten appeared with Tikla. You! She shrieked at Gerwin. You're stealing my blue light! Her voice was cut off, though, when Shotten slit her throat with a shadowy blade. Blood spilled from her neck onto the dirt road. Gerwin turned away. He knew he had done the right thing, but it felt wrong. It didn't seem to faze Shotten, however. So, what is your next wish? He asked. Gerwin scratched his head nervously. I don't know yet. This is a lot of power to have. Perhaps I should think about it. At that, Shodden seemed to conjure a velvet pouch and tossed it to Gerwin. Perhaps this will help you decide. When Gerwin looked inside, his jaw dropped. It was filled with heavy gold coins. Gerwin peered over at his shadowy companion. Where did you get these? Shodden pointed at the cottage. The witch stole them from her victims. Since you killed her, I figure they belong to you. Gerwin paced back and forth on the road. I don't think that's how it works. We need to give these back. Shotten held up his hands innocently. There's no one to give them back to. She's dead. Gerwin's head started to spin. It was all too much for him. He sat down on the road to think. Shotten joined him silently. After a few minutes, Gerwin looked over to Shotten. No more killing. Shotten nodded agreeably. Fine, no killing, but let's get you back to the city. I bet you're hungry. Shall I transport you there? Gerwin shook his head. No thanks. After hours of trudging along the road with his crutch, Gerwin noticed the city walls in the distance. He recommended that Shotten hide himself, lest he be accused not only of deserting, but also of witchcraft. Shotten agreed and disappeared into Gerwin's shadow. Gerwin's first stop was a clothier. He'd been wearing the same tattered coat and pants since he was discharged from the army. He needed something to keep the cold air off his scars. He purchased a woolen jacket and pants to keep himself warm, and a new hat to hide some of the scars on his face. Once he was dressed in the new clothing, he proceeded to a tavern, where he ordered a hot meal and a room for the night. The young man had not known such comfort for many years. When Gerwin settled into his room, he looked at himself in a mirror. Shotten appeared behind him. Much better the shadow said. Now you look like a proper gentleman. Gerwin nodded, admiring himself and his new jacket, but then his eyes focused on the scars covering his face and neck. He turned away abruptly. 
They reminded him of the many battles he had fought in, the men killed on both sides, and of course, the one man who was responsible for all of it. After a moment, Gerwin faced Shotten. I know what my next wish is, he said. Shotten sprang to attention. Name it and I shall deliver. Gerwin looked intently at his shadowy companion. Revenge against King Magnus. Shotten thrust a fist in the air. That is the kind of wish I like. Consider him dead. Gerwin's eyes filled with panic. No, Shotten, remember what our deal... No killing. I just want him to learn a lesson about how to treat soldiers. Shotten scratched his shadowy chin. I like your style. Torture it is. Should we put him on the rack? Perhaps draw and quarter him? Gerwin shook his head. No torture either. But what if we humiliate him? Shotten rubbed his hands together. You are a strange one, Gerwin, but that is an inspired idea. He has a daughter, Princess Leone. I could enchant her to do any number of favors for a lonely soldier. Gerwin waved his hands furiously. Are you crazy? I fought to protect people like her. How about we have her come here and clean for us? That would humiliate the king. Shotten hung his head, disappointed. Fine, he said, and evaporated into the night. A short time later, Shotten returned, carrying Princess Leone. She was a beautiful young woman with long auburn hair and emerald eyes. She wore a white silk nightgown and slippers. Her demeanor, on the other hand, was less genteel. She struggled against Shotten's grasp. Help! Put me down, you evil shadow! She yelled. When she saw Gerwin, she seemed relieved. Thank God! I was kidnapped from my chamber by this... this thing! Can you help me? Gerwin looked at her nervously. Actually, I ordered him to do it. The princess looked at him and began to yell even louder. Help! Help! Gerwin waved his arms and tried to shush her. Shh! I don't want to hurt you. I I thought I wanted to teach your father a lesson by having you clean our room here, but I I changed my mind. My friend will take you home. Gerwin gestured to Shotten to take her away, except Princess Leone held up her hand to wait a moment. Why did you want to teach my father a lesson? She asked. Gerwin frowned. Why would a princess care? But Leone stood waiting, listening. So he shrugged and pointed to the scars on his face. Your father did this to me, and others like me. He orders us to fight in his war, and if we get injured, he discards us like chaff. Leone shook her head. That can't be true. My father says his soldiers are the best treated in the world. He says they're his heroes. Gerwin scoffed. Heroes? After being injured in his war, all he gave me was a copper coin. He turned away from her, not wanting her to see his damp eyes. While he wiped his cheeks, he felt a hand touch his shoulder. He turned to see Princess Leone. She touched one of his scars gently. Will you tell me what happened? All of it? She asked and sat on the edge of his bed. 
Gerwin looked at her. He'd thought the princess would be a spoiled, entitled brat, but she looked at him with compassion. So he explained how he had volunteered to fight for the king five years ago and all the horrors he had seen since. They were still talking when the sun rose in the morning. Gerwin looked out the window and saw the brightening sky. Oh no, he exclaimed. We need to get you back or your father will send out search parties. Leonie grinned at him. Isn't that our plan? She asked. Gerwin looked inquisitively at her. Our plan? Leonie grabbed the hem of her nightgown and ripped it. You were right. We need to teach my father a lesson. She began wiping the baseboard of the room with her sleeves, gathering as much dust and grime as possible. Gerwin's eyes shot open. What are you doing? Princess Leonie grinned. We want to teach my father a lesson. He'll suspect the worst if he sees me like this. Gerwin stared wide-eyed for a moment, then nodded and started to help her smear dirt on her clothes. Next, he signaled for Shotten to return her to the castle. As they were about to disappear, Leonie's eyes lit up. Wait, can I come back tomorrow night? Gerwin's heart stopped. You want to come back here? He asked. Of course, Leonie said. We need to drive this message home and... She paused for a moment. I like talking with you. Gerwin nodded excitedly. He had never felt so happy in his life. When she vanished, he started counting the minutes until the sun would go down. That evening, Shotten returned with Princess Leonie. As they appeared in the room, green peas spilled from the princess's nightgown onto the ground. What are these? Gerwin asked, scooping up a handful. Leonie's eyes lit up. My father tore a hole in my pocket and then filled it with these so he could track whoever was kidnapping me. I didn't notice in time to stop the trail from leading here, but I have a plan. We can scatter them all over the city so the Kingsguard will never find you. Suddenly, Gerwin felt ill. He was in trouble. And if she helped him now, the princess would be too. But why should she help? What did he have to offer her? I don't deserve your kindness, he said. And I don't want you getting in trouble with your father. I should never have dragged you into this. Let them find me. Leonie protested. Gerwin, don't do this. I want to help you. I want to stay with you. Gerwin turned away from her. He didn't feel worthy of her attention. He was just a war-tattered man with a mysterious lamp. Shotten, please take the princess back to the castle. And once she's safe, you can go home too. That's my final wish. As Leonie cried, Shotten bid goodbye to the soldier. He pointed to the copper lantern resting on the nightstand. In case you need me again, simply light your pipe on the blue flame and I will come. With that, Shotten disappeared with the princess. Gerwin sank to the floor and wept. He knew it was only a matter of time until the king's men arrived. Worse than that, he might never see Leonie again. A short time later, Gerwin heard pounding on his door. Gerwin limped over and opened it. All of a sudden, a tall, armored knight forced his way in. 
You're under arrest for kidnapping the princess. The knight flicked a loose pea at Gerwin's face. Gerwin nodded politely. Of course, let me just get my belongings. He reached for his copper lantern, but one of the guards grabbed his hands and clapped him in irons. The knight chuckled. You don't need belongings where you're going. We're taking you to your execution. Coming up, Gerwin is put on trial. Now back to the story. Gerwin had let King Magnus's men discover him, but now he regretted it. They clapped him in irons before he could grab his special lantern. The king's guard marched him out of his rented room to the castle. Along the way, they beat him and smashed him with the pommels of their swords. When Gerwin and the guards finally reached the castle, they threw him in the dungeon. The only visible light was a tiny window with iron bars. The commander kicked him once more for good measure. Don't get comfortable. As soon as the king is awake, you'll be dead. Then he slammed the cell door shut. As the hours passed, Gerwin realized the cell reminded him of Tikla's well. It too had smooth stones and no escape. Perhaps he would have been better off just dying in the well. While he was lost in thought, he heard a voice at the tiny window. Psst, Gerwin, it whispered. At first, Gerwin thought he was imagining things again. But when he turned, he saw the most amazing sight. It was Princess Leone. Oh, Gerwin, she sighed. I told you you were being a fool. Gerwin buried his head. You were right, but I deserve this. I should never have kidnapped you. Oh, stop, Leone responded. I've thought a lot about everything you shared with me. You dying isn't going to change anything. The only way to change things is for you to live. Gerwin thought for a moment. She was right. If he died now, his story would die too. He realized there was a way out of it. My lantern, back in the room. Can you get it? Leone blew him a kiss and disappeared from sight. Before she returned, however, Gerwin heard the cell door unlock and the king's guard marched in. Ready to die, soldier? They asked him. Gerwin looked desperately at the tiny window. Had Leone been captured? Or maybe it was all a trick. What if she was stringing him along? A beautiful woman like that could never like a wounded man like him. But Gerwin couldn't worry about that now. He was dragged out of the dungeon, up the endless stairs, and thrown to the floor in a lavish throne room. The walls were covered in stained glass mosaics depicting ancient military conquests. At the end of the long room, King Magnus sat atop a dais. Magnus raised a bushy eyebrow and drummed his fingers together. So, he boomed. You are the Cretan who kidnapped and defiled my daughter. Gerwin shook his head. I never laid a hand on the princess. King Magnus pounded his hand on the throne. You expect me to believe that? Luckily, I was clever enough to track you down. The trail of peas led straight to you. Gerwin sighed. I let you find me. 
he said more for himself than the king. Magnus smiled mockingly. Is that right? Gerwin looked him straight in the eye. I let you find me so I could say this to your face. You are a cruel man and a terrible king. For five years I served in your army. Five years! I fought on the front lines for you. Then I got blown up, shrapnel in my face, neck, and all over my body. I could barely walk, let alone fight. So you tossed me aside. A tense silence echoed in the chambers. King Magnus stopped smiling. He looked at Gerwin curiously for a moment. Dear boy, soldiers are born to do what kings command. You should be honored to fight and die for me. At that, Gerwin let loose an angry roar. I would rather die than serve you. King Magnus gestured to the far side of the throne room. Well, you're about to get your wish. An executioner in a black hood entered, carrying a heavy steel axe. Two apprentices, with a heavy wooden block between them, waddled in behind him. They dropped the heavy block with a thud in front of Gerwin. Then they shoved his head down onto the rough wood surface. He could smell the dried blood and bits of brain embedded in the striations. Gerwin braced for the axe, but suddenly a voice called out from the back of the room, Stop! It was Princess Leone. She called out to her father, Doesn't a condemned man get a final word? King Magnus looked confused. Darling, he already spoke, and he insulted the crown. Leone approached the dais. Well, then I'd like to speak on his behalf. This is a good man. He was prepared to die for our kingdom, and when he returned injured, we treated him like an outcast. It's not right. It is true that he summoned me, but he did not lay a hand on me. Please, father, have some mercy. As King Magnus regarded his daughter, his face softened. Very well, Leone. I will be merciful. Then the king's expression darkened. He will be executed quickly and cleanly. Magnus gestured to the executioner to get on with it. But Leone held up her hand to stop. Well, then shouldn't he get a final smoke? Magnus's head tottered back and forth impatiently. Fine, fine, give him a smoke and then he will die. At that, Leone handed a pipe to Gerwin. Then she opened her cloak to reveal the copper lantern. Gerwin stooped down to light the pipe on the blue flame. He took a deep breath, and when he exhaled, Shotten appeared from the cloud of smoke. Shotten glanced around the room and noticed the executioner's block. Looks like you called me just in time. What is your wish, sir? Gerwin looked down at the irons on his wrists. Help me out of these, he said. With a wave of Shotten's hand, the manacles clattered to the floor. The executioner and guards recoiled in shock. A few drew their blades. Witchcraft, they yelled. Gerwin looked at Shotten. Remember our deal from before? Shotten nodded. No killing, right? Gerwin cocked his head sheepishly. 
let's forget that for a minute. A wide grin spread across Shotton's shadowy face. With pleasure, he said. Then he swirled around several of the guards, slitting their throats. While the guards were occupied, Gerwin barreled into the executioner's midsection, tackling him to the ground. Even though Gerwin had a limp, he was still a trained warrior. He pried the executioner's axe away from him and scrambled to his feet. A moment later, Gerwin swung the axe down at the hooded man. The executioner tried to block the strike with his hand, but it only served to cut off several fingers. The man cried in agonizing pain. Gerwin swung again, this time cleaving through the man's hooded head. His brain spilled out onto the throne room floor. When Gerwin stepped back, he realized the room was silent, except for the sound of blood gurgling from the felled bodies. King Magnus was cowering behind his throne. Gerwin marched up to him, carrying the axe. The king covered his face with his hands and wept. Please, please, have mercy. Don't hurt me. Gerwin stopped in front of him. Mercy, like you were going to show me? He raised the axe, ready to strike the king dead, but then he heard the princess's voice behind him. Gerwin, she said gently, don't become the monster he's made you out to be. You're better than him. Gerwin looked from her to the king. His hands started to shake on the axe handle. At last, he threw it to the ground. Leone made her way up to the dais. She looked down on her blubbering father with cold, disappointed eyes. Your reign is over, she told him. From this day forward, I will be queen, and I will take Gerwin as my king. Magnus gasped. But, Leone! Gerwin looked at the princess. No, your majesty, I, I couldn't. I'm not worthy. Leone placed a comforting hand on Gerwin's shoulder. You are a brave warrior. You will rule justly and only send men to war when there's no other choice. Our kingdom will benefit from your rule. She scanned the throne room full of dead knights and smiled sadly. Maybe we can build a better world from this. Shotten joined the two of them next to the throne. Is there anything else you wish? Gerwin looked at Leone and grabbed her hand, smiling. Not anymore, Shotten. Thank you for your service, friend. It's time for you to go home. Instead of bowing, Shotten saluted Gerwin and then evaporated into a cloud of smoke. Gerwin took the copper lantern from Leone. In the glass globe, he could see a reflection of his scars. For the first time, he didn't turn away. He knew they would always remind him of the service he and others gave in war, and he promised to never let the same tragedy happen to them. Then he lifted the glass chamber and snuffed out the blue flame. 
The Brothers Grimm are well known for their stories about princes, children in forests, and other family-friendly protagonists. So the blue light and its main character, Gerwin, may seem like a departure. In 1800s Prussia, however, soldiers were a common fixture of life. Even though Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm didn't serve in the military, they were likely acquainted with soldiers and witnessed the aftermath of fighting. Their homeland had been embroiled in wars for over a century. The brothers probably saw injured soldiers on the street, hungry, homeless, and suffering from trauma. So they decided to give a voice to the plight of those men. The blue light tackled issues that soldiers faced when they returned home. Sadly, more than 200 years after the release of the blue light, there are still veterans around the world who are left to fend for themselves on the street, without the help of Gerwin's blue light. Perhaps our government leaders need to be reminded again of the Grimm Brothers' story. Treat your veterans and wounded soldiers well. Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker. With writing assistance by Nora Battelle. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero. And research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast. Every Thursday on Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, we're uncovering secrets hidden deep within the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency to bring you a special collection of episodes from shows across our network. Follow the new Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.